sometimes you, we had uh, sometimes, sorry. Sometimes you get in a situation where it just doesn't work out here, and that may be where it is right now. Yeah, yeah. speaking of it, with Joe, is Joe ready? Joe is ready. Okay, because right. speak. Joe knows this guy. I remember there were idiots in this town that were saying that the Browns should move on from Mitchell Schwartz when he was a rookie because he struggled a little bit early, and including some idiot that I worked with. I won't name his name. And I'm like, Mitchell Schwartz is going to be really good. Give him some time. And he was a phenomenal player. And he might have, if he stayed healthier and played around longer, Joe, I think Mitchell could have possibly been a Hall of Famer. Welcome, what do you, what Joe. You? How Joe. are you, man? Hey, I, thank you, guys. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things that's really maybe underappreciated is how long it takes to develop offensive linemen, <coughs> especially in today's NFL with how they play in the NFL and then how you play in college football because the college game doesn't look anything like the pro game anymore as far as the concepts and the blocking technique that you're teaching at that level versus what you learn at the NFL level. There's so much more spread offense where the offensive linemen basically are just taking one or two steps left or right or diving on the ground and cutting people for these yeah. quick passes on the edge. So it takes a lot longer to develop those guys. And some guys just take a little bit longer to develop, whether it's mental, whether it's physical. And you're speaking about Austin Corbett. I was there uh, rehabbing my elbow when he was on the team right after he got drafted. And you could see that there was some talent there, but he definitely wasn't far enough along in his development. And he wasn't ready to be a contributor at that moment. And so he became almost a, a casualty of the roster because you got to make decisions, like just like the Browns are going to have to make in the next couple of weeks. Here, you got a ton of guys in the secondary that are really good. You've got five running backs almost that can start in the NFL. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to cut some of those dudes, and sometimes you have to make some harder decisions at positions like offensive line or backup quarterback, where mm -hmm. you're saying, "Hey, this guy at running back, we'd rather keep him than to keep somebody else on the offensive line because he is not ready to start." But there's potential to have a lot of injuries at this other position and we may need that guy right now. So I think the other thing is with Austin Corbett, you go and you play in a scheme that's friendly to an offensive line with a quarterback right. that gets rid of the football, just like Tom Brady's been doing for 20 plus years. He's going to make you look a lot better and that helps your confidence. And once you mm -hmm. boost your confidence up, the sky can be the limit sometimes for offensive linemen. Joe, we know obviously how important the quarterback position is. You know, the fans were going bananas about the way Brissett played. And I'm like, we know Jacoby Brissett. We, he knows who he is. They, we've all, I mean, the guy's been the same guy. He's not going to all of a sudden become a superstar. It just doesn't really work that way at that position. So, like, they're going to have to win playing great defense and running the ball with him. I mean, it, do you think it'll be to the point where they are even running the ball like 55, 60% of the time, or is even that too much? Is that crazy? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say 55 or 60 times. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, oh, that's yeah, yeah. Hey, sign me yeah. up. That's Maybe, yeah, I'd you'd like love that. Like, that'd be beautiful. But um, no, I, I think they're definitely going to be a run first offense. I, I think they're still going to take shots because actually Jacoby's a pretty good play action passer down the field. And when you watch this game, yeah, the numbers weren't there, but how many times does his receivers get hit in the hands and they just drop the football? Like that's not his fault in that situation. And the one deep throw out of play action that they missed Schwartz down the field, I think Schwartz didn't have the right angle on his route or he would have been there because the ball got delivered on time in the right spot. So it's pretty easy to say, yeah, his numbers weren't good and oh, he was terrible. But when you actually just break down what he did, he kind of did exactly what you expect and you hope from Jacoby Brissett. Yes. He doesn't turn the football over. He doesn't take a lot of risks. He's going to hit his tight ends and his running backs a lot for short plays. And we've got tight ends that can make sh short throws into nice big conversions because they're great athletes. Same thing 
with our running back room when you look at Kareem Hunt and uh, Chubb and the occasional time that he catches the football. So I think you saw exactly who Jacoby Brissett's going to be. And with a top five defense and a great running game, they believe wholeheartedly. I mean, I've been talking to the staff from Andrew Barry and his scouts down through Kevin Stefanski and his coaches since I got there in training camp in the beginning of August. And they believe they're all in on what Jacoby Brissett can bring, especially when you compare him to the other quarterbacks that have potentially been out there. And I know there was a lot of conversation about Jimmy Garoppolo, but one, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his career. So if you get Jimmy Garoppolo for 11 games, yeah, he potentially could be a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And the other thing with Jimmy is sometimes he has a tendency to throw some picks when you don't want it. And I think they feel much more comfortable when they look at how good their defense is, how good their running scheme is going to be, that having a quarterback that doesn't make the big mistake is way more important than having a guy that could potentially win you a few games come from behind in the fourth quarter who's maybe been there before because they don't expect to be behind too much in the fourth quarter with that great defense. Hey, Tim. Uh, uh, Tim. <laughs> Joe, I'm back on Tim Cobb. I'll be Tim today. <laughs> Joe, Joe, question for you. Last time you've been to Madison to the college club. When's the last time you've been to the college club? Oh, baby. Uh, I'm going to be there this weekend. Badgers home opener this weekend against Illinois State. And that's the only you know one Wisconsin Badgers that know what that is. <laughs> Hey, man, you know what's crazy about the college club is like it's a place for everybody. You see sorority girls, you see frat boys, you see alumni that are in their 60s that are in there. You see former uh, hockey players, you see football players. It's like it's been the hot spot in Madison. Don't for forget the basketball news either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so question. So there's two things I want to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I want to see what happens with Kelly as a running back. I've been impressed with Kelly's running. Yeah, but he's gone. He uh, I, just, I just hate yeah. this. That's just oh, this is one that's going to get away from us. But the one I want to ask you about the defensive interior line, <clears throat> you know, Togi and, and uh, uh, Winfrey. Carry on Winfrey. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this, is mm-hmm. this is troubling to me. Is it troubling to you? Yeah. Well, Jordan Elliott's been very impressive throughout training camp and the times that he's been in there during the preseason, he's been awesome. He remade his body during the offseason. I think he added like 15, 20 pounds of muscle. And I think he's finally, to your point earlier about it clicked. He realized like, I have this potential and I haven't lived up to it. And it's kind of a make or break year for you when you're in that third season. So I think Jordan Elliott's great. They really like what Taven Bryan has done. He's shown flashes throughout his career, but he just had no consistency. So. I think the Browns are hoping that with a little bit more experience and with Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett near him, it's going to kind of bring his level of performance and consistency to the next step. Uh, Togiai, been okay. You know, maybe a good role player for them. Winfrey, another guy that's been inconsistent. So there, there are some concerns certainly on the inside, but I think I'm less concerned right now with the inside of that defensive line than I was going into training camp after seeing how well they've performed thus far during the season. Hey, Joe, we played the confidence meter game on the Browns going to Carolina. And our our number, 1 to Mm. 10, ranged anywhere from Brad with an (laughs) 8 And Jason Lloyd was at a three. Three or four. Or throw a four. Three and a half. Well, I'm going to give you three, three as a fence. four. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, break out your confidence meter. Um, less than two weeks away now. Where are mm-hmm. you? The Browns going to Carolina. They come back with an easy win. You're a 10. They're going to mm-hmm. come back with an L. You're a one. Where are you? Mm-hmm. So, I'm at like a seven. I feel pretty confident okay. about that Me. game. I think Browns defense knows Baker Mayfield really well, which will be their advantage. I think... The Browns running game, while 
Carolina has a very good defensive line and a very good defense. I think they're still going to be able to run the football. Um, I believe in Jacoby Brissett more than most people probably at this point. And so I feel pretty good about that game, especially with all the pressure that Matt Rule is under to win early. I think sometimes that can be counterproductive because then you get guys that are pressing and that are doing more than they're supposed to, more than they're asked for. And then that's when you can get a lot of turnovers and mistakes. Uh, the reason I'm not more confident is the Baker Mayfield factor. If you look back in his career, whenever he's got that chip on his shoulder and people don't believe in him, mm-hmm. like he finds this amazing innate ability inside of him to just play way outside of what you expect from him way over his skis where he's just Superman. And I get a little nervous because you know that that is probably the most important game to him personally that he's ever played in his life because he is the most spiteful person, take it personal type quarterback that the Browns have ever seen. And he absolutely should have taken it personal with what happened at the end of his career in Cleveland. So you know that he is just putting everything he's got into this game. But I just don't think in the end, Carolina has enough weapons to be able to hold up to what the Browns can bring down to Carolina. Joe, what do you do with Anthony Schwartz besides give him a hug? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, that's, I, I said it on the broadcast uh, yesterday. I said, man, you just feel sorry when you see a guy that's going through something like that because Catching is all about confidence, right? And he had a great spring and he had some really good days in training camp and everybody kind of thought maybe, you know, he kind of turned the corner. He started believing in his hands again. And all of a sudden in the preseason games, it's been just tough to watch. Like easy completions just being dropped right and left. Um, And when that happens, it's like a snowball just going downhill. And then all of a sudden you don't believe you can catch anything. And when you don't believe you can catch anything that you're probably right. And that's probably the case right now with Anthony Schwartz. And so you can't, you don't really want to cut him. You certainly don't want to cut him. He's really your only deep threat that you have. The only guy that can kind of make those safeties back up a little bit to create some space, especially you got Jacoby Brissett. He's going to want to hit the middle of the field a lot. He's going to want to hit those tight ends. And if you don't have somebody taking the top off running those Mm -hmm. for the love of the game, just go routes from your (laughs) slot position. Like those safeties are going to be at about 10 or 11 yards just playing everything short. And so I think he's really important to get on the field. I don't know how much he's going to be featured. I think maybe what you can do is try to give him some of those around, some of those reverses that he scored on a lot in college, maybe stretch the field horizontally a little bit, and then just let him run the go routes. Like, don't throw him any speed outs. I mean, I mean, how many times did we see him drop those little speed outs in preseason, which for most guys, for Cooper, it's going to be routine. But really, that's that's not who he is. Just let him run posts and corners and post corners and goes and, like, just get get him exhausting the other team's secondary most of the game. Joe, I want to ask you some specifics about the Browns offensive line in a second. But as one of the greatest left tackles of all time, I got to put this question to you. I'm going to take you out of it because it's not fair to make you pick yourself or pick against yourself. Uh, Walter Jones, Jonathan Ogden, mm. Orlando mm. Pace, or Anthony Munoz. You got to stop Bruce Smith or LT. You have to pick one of those four guys who you're taking. Yeah, easy for me, Walter Jones. Now, I will put the caveat out there that I never watched Munoz because he was a little bit before my time. And actually, True. the times that I've watched him since then, uh, the technique that they used, it kind of became obsolete by the time Walter Jones, Ogden, Pace came into the game. Right. So for his era, compared to other eras, I don't know if anybody was more dominant ever. Like, that that's kind of easy for me to say. But when I'm comparing who you were versus – 
you know, somebody else, even in a different era, to me, yeah. it's Walter Jones. Um, nobody was more technically sound. Nobody was bigger, faster, stronger, and played with better leverage and knee bend than Walter Jones. And so I think he would have no problem even going against like a guy like LT because people forget because Walter Jones was a quiet guy. He played in Seattle. So people yeah. just didn't know a whole lot about him, but right. the dude ran a four, six at like Ooh. 330 <laughs> pounds oh and he squats God. like 800 pounds. That's like he insane. was one of the very first physical freaks. And I know Ogden is absolutely a physical freak, six, nine, yeah. 360, but he didn't have the speed. And I think he would have struggled from against a, a little guy like LT. Like if you watch some of Ogden's highlight reels, against Dwight Freeney, especially later in his career. Yeah, he was banged up with the toe. But, like, he sometimes had a hard time because he was so tall, like bending yeah. down with those little guys that would make those quick inside moves. And LT had those moves, obviously, and he was a smaller guy with speed. Uh, but I don't think Walter Jones, I ever saw him struggle against any body types. Well, let's talk about the current offensive line. And, and you know, both your tackles right now, obviously, you talk about Jedrick Wills has a lot of talent, but – He's had a ton of injuries uh, again in the preseason. Jack Conklin, a right tackle, same thing. Obviously, he's a proven talent, but he's had a ton of injuries. And then we know what's happened with the center position. You go from one of the best players in J.C. Treader to mm -hmm. a, a young guy in Nick Harris and now Ethan uh, Posick, or I can't even remember how to pronounce his name. But, mm -hmm. you know, obviously we know the guards are great. How concerned are you about the center and tackles right now? I think really the bright spot of preseason thus far has been the play of the offensive line. Like I was up in that booth waiting to highlight those guys all day long, but really they were solid all across the board in pass True. protection and run protection or in uh, opening the uh, opening the holes and the running schemes. Um, so I, I was really happy with the way the offensive line played. And I think I've seen a lot more consistency from Jed. He dealt with a really bad ankle injury most of the season last year. And I think that had a part to do with it because I think it got into his head a little bit and then he kind of lost some confidence. And when you do that, it's hard to be consistent. Um, but Jed's playing really good football right now. He had a great week of practice against the Eagles defensive line, which is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. And I really believe in him. I, I think he's going to have a breakout season. Uh, Jack, it remains to be seen how healthy he's going to be when he gets back in there. Um, but... I think Chris Hubbard's solid as a backup. James Hudson's made some really nice progress. Obviously, we know the the guards are all pros. And Ethan Posick's a guy, he's played a lot of football. If he can be healthy out there, um, I think this is going to be a really good offensive line. I don't think it's going to be nearly as good as the line was when they had J.C. Treader and obviously Jack before he got injured and, and Jed. But um, I, I don't have a whole lot of concern Good. on the offensive line. I, I save my concern for the receiver group. <laughs> hey, Joe, is that the Callahan factor? And, and is he the best position coach in the NFL? Not just O-line coach, but mm. d is, is he the best at coaching any group of players that, that is currently in the league? Well, it's hard to compare apples to oranges across the league, especially not knowing everybody, but certainly it's easy for me to say of the ones that I know, he is among the best position coaches in the NFL. I remember Andrew Berry called me when they were looking to put their staff together and he was asking about Callahan and I didn't really have any carryover with Callahan because he'd never coached me um, and I never ran into him, even though he was a Wisconsin coach back in the 90s. But I know a lot of guys that have played for him, and I've watched his offensive lines from a distance for several years, especially when he was in Washington and Dallas. And he always put out outstanding offensive lines. He did a great job developing Trent Williams, who was one of these guys who, a little bit like Jed, like a ton of talent, 
but needed a lot of polish work. And he turned him into one of the great offensive linemen, left tackles of all time. And so I, I think uh, back to my story when Andrew Berry called me and he was asking about Kelly, and I'm like, absolutely, get that guy in here as soon as you can because offensive line is one of the few positions that can actually really be molded the most by a coach. And you can take a guy who's, you know, maybe middle of the pack and with technique and assignment, you can really improve where he is as far as his value to his team more than almost any other position. The only other position that takes maybe more thinking is the quarterback position. Um, but obviously arm talent is a huge part of that. Um, so I, I think there, there's a reason that offensive line coaches get paid more than any other assistant mm -hmm. on the staff. It's because they have more value. They bring more value to their position and they can improve the performance of their position group more than anybody else. Joe, a uh, couple of rapid fire ones here. Every offensive lineman you've ever played with, uh, who would, if, if every offensive lineman you ever played with, including yourself, all decided to be sumo wrestlers, who would be the champion? <laughs> who would be the ultimate champion? Oh my God. Uh, you know, that's a great question. I would actually go with Alex Mack. He was a runner up in heavyweight wrestling in the state of California, big state, I've heard. Yeah. Uh, and so he was a great wrestler. He was also one of the most flexible guys I've ever played with. Obviously mm -hmm. big and strong in the hips and the legs. And I haven't really dissected the sumo sport all that much, but I feel like <laughs> being big and powerful and fast and flexible yeah. and having a wrestling background would probably help a lot. Um, and from what I've seen now, they're, not all the sumo wrestlers are 500 pounds anymore. True. I've seen a few like small guys that kind of use quickness in the ring. So maybe a little Alex Mack action there, there as you your uh, sumo champ. <laughs> Who could drink the most beers in an hour? Oh. Besides me, uh, well, you, it could be you if it's yeah. Your, you know, so you I would yourself. say, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to go back a little bit and go to Hank Fraley. Um, oh, yeah. He is okay. now the offensive line coach for the Detroit Lions, and the man could he could knock him back pretty good. He went to Bobby Moe, Robert Morris out there in Pittsburgh, not okay. a Big Ten university, but he had a Big Ten <laughs> beer drinking background in him. <laughs> How about uh, in a uh, hot dog eating contest? Who would? Although it's always skinny guys, it's always skinny guys that win these yeah, things. It is. But, yeah, but right. who would eat Kobe the most Yashi. hot dogs? Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, this one, this one's easy. Sean Laval. So he was a guard him. for us for a bunch of years. Yeah. Signed a nice deal in Washington. Uh, big eater. Oh man, those Polynesians, they can really eat the rice. Uh, he <laughs> would go and like every night we would go and have training table. And then we would go to this Euro place that was, um, uh, on the, on the West side, kind of by like St. Ed's, I forget, a Greek, I think it was called like Greek village or something like that. Yeah. And he would get like the. The, the impossible to eat Greek Euro challenge and he'd go home and he'd just crush that. And then we'd go and get like uh, Asian food. And he said he would have to eat like a huge plate of food to fall asleep every night. This was like not dinner or like not snack. It was just like, you know, sometimes people take like ZMA yeah. pills or melatonin to fall asleep. He had to eat like a plate of rice and, uh, and chicken to be able to fall asleep every night. So he was easily the biggest eater I was ever around. All right, you're oh. sitting on the plane oh. next to offensive lineman X. Who is most likely to encroach on your personal space? Like, because his legs are too wide. He's, he's sitting all oh, on top of you. Mm, 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 mm. Bob Wiley. I would say good old Coach Wiley. He was the guy that if you're riding Southwest, uh, you're hoping that he's not coming down with the next to you. 
<laughs> oh, oh God. Stuff. I don't care hey. what airline you're flying. <laughs> Wiley, that was the best. That's good. Oh, Joey, Dubai Air, you're okay. But other than that, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, right. Joe, what'd you think of uh, calling the games, working in the booth? Do you see that in your future? And what was it like working with, with Chris and Aditi? It was incredible working with Chris and Aditi. I've known Chris for a long time, had a chance to work with him a bunch at NFL Network, including the highlight of my media career. We did the post game for the last Super Bowl on the field. We got yep. all the LA Rams to come on the set with us, which was really, really fun. And being a Cleveland guy, being a Browns fan through and through, it was an absolute joy and a blast to be able to work with him. Aditi is amazing. I've known her since my time in Cleveland when she would interview us and she would hang around uh, the players post game. And she was so good on the sideline. I think she's so engaging. She's so funny and witty. And she really got those players who, by and large, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be talking to any media during the game. But right. it's sort of their obligation. And she really got them to open up. So it was it was really a joy. And I think it really added to the, the broadcast. And me personally, I love doing those games. I really hope they ask me back next season. Uh, I'm constantly thinking about how I can improve, kind of helping uh, the fans at home understand what's going on in the field and why the Browns are doing certain things and kind of maybe giving my inside scoop into the roster development. Um, so it was it was a lot of fun. I, I think preseason's a little bit unique because it's not as much about the game where I think my, the thing that I do best is kind of explain the game and be dialed into like the back and forth of what's going on there. So it's a little bit more storytelling. It's a little bit more, you know, back and forth with your play-by-play -play and your sideline person. Um, but I hope we produced something that was interesting for Browns fans and it kept them watching through the fourth quarter, which is not always the case during the preseason. <laughs> it was great. Hey, Joe, have they figured it out at, at kicker with Cade York? Yeah, I think he's all right. Uh, 70 yards is, is decent when you're booting 70 yard field goals in preseason warmups and then you're going out there and hitting 50 yarders like it's a routine chip shot. I think we found our kicker. It's taken a while. So as you look at the season, <laughs> um, as you look at the season, yeah. we, we parse the schedule. And we, you know, obviously it, it yeah. feels like that first four game stretch is a great runway into what really turns into a juggernaut from weeks five mm. through 11 before Jacoby finally mm -hmm. gets back from the Texans. Have you thought about the schedule and where you expect this team to be when they finally get Watson on the football field? Yeah, I've kind of played the schedule game, just like all the fans. That's one of the joys of the offseason and preseason, especially now that we kind of know what Deshaun Watson's suspension is going to look like. It's fun because you look at that see that schedule, and like you said, out of the first six games, there's one game that you say, ah, that's going to be really tough, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers, right, because of what they have at quarterback. But then when you keep going, uh, obviously Baltimore, there's always going to be question marks with Lamar at quarterback because of how many hits he takes and the injuries that are inevitably going to pile up as his career goes on. Cincinnati, it's going to be a tough one, right? They're, they're going to be a great team again, not only because of Joe Burrow and those receivers, but they've got a really good underrated defense. And I think that's one of the things people forgot when the story was about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow during the season. It was this defense full of guys that maybe didn't have the biggest names in the NFL, but were playing really, really good football, playing together, playing exactly the type of team defense you want. Uh, but then you go down to Miami. I like their chances there. Buffalo, that's going to be tough. Josh Allen, maybe the best player in the NFL right now. Tampa, eh, Tom Brady looked pretty good in preseason, even after 11 games off or 11 days off in training camp and then back to Houston. So I think if they're at six and five or better, I think they make the playoffs. If they're under 500 in that situation, 
I think it's going to be pretty tough because once Jacoby comes back, you don't know how much rust he's going to have. I mean, at that point, it's almost been two years since he's played an NFL football game. And it's going to take him, I think, a little bit of, of time to be able to get on the same page with everybody. So I think six and five, they make the playoffs. Under that, at that point, when Deshaun gets back, it's going to be pretty tough. Very yeah. definitive answer. We like that. Joe, Andy, have you – get back to you for a minute. Did you – have you – before I let you go here real quick, did you – have you ever thought about coaching or that's not on the purview at all? Nah. No, no interest. <laughs> I, I love the coach. I love to teach. But those poor guys have uh, – they have no they life. Work, they work 28 hours a day. Football. It's nuts. Dude, it's I crazy. Figured. They're, Joe, they're finding hours that don't even exist to work. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Hey, we Joe, before we let you go, <laughs> I want to give you credit because um, you were the guy that – gave the nickname to our oh, producer yeah. McNuggets that stuck. He's been McNuggets I love it. ever since. So, Mike, do you want to say something to Joe as the guy that kind of dubbed the, the, the phrase? Yeah, no, I, I owe Joe a big thank you in a way. <laughs> you know, I came to Cleveland. I was here for three weeks as just Mike, and now I walk the streets. My my dating apps, I'm getting, are you McNuggets? <laughs> yes. Like, All thanks to you. Oh, man. Dating naps. I don't know if you on dating apps is McNuggets. Uh, just that, a happy right? to be your wingman, McNuggets. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I win. That That is That's now going it. on my voice uh, My voice. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, can you say that again with right, no thanks, other guys. audio traffic Everyone so, he can, yep. so he can clip this for his um, voicemail message? Yo, McNuggets, I'm just happy to be your wingman. This is Joe Thomas, former <laughs> Cleveland Brown. 10-time pro bowler. It doesn't get any better than that. It does not get any better than that. Let's do it, Joe, my man. Thank you so thanks, much. Thanks, Joe. The great Joe. Joe thanks, guys. We're Joe, seeing, thanks. Oh, man. He's Good luck at the have, college have club. Fun, have, have fun at Madison. College <laughs> club. Good time. College I'll text club. I get my first date off that, by the way. College uh, club. Text. <laughs> that was too good. Oh, so, McNuggets, you can pay me later because right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. otherwise, that, that's just a little clip that we're all talk, talking over. And here's over. the trade-off. I'll do his Hall of Fame speech in Canton next year. Uh, he shit. did that for me. I'll do his Hall of Fame speech. Me and Joe were on texting terms now, so, you know. I'm sure you're I'll in the final my... three. By the <laughs> way, I promised McNuggets not to give too many details, but uh, Jay wasn't here for this. And was Brad here for the when we did that? I can't remember. Was he, who's here? No, it was not Brad. What'd when you we, do? When we did the thing for uh, with the girl, yeah. with the interview. Wait, wait. Which is never going to air, so no, why are you no, bringing no, it up? No, listen, we'll tell you off. This is, we taped something. We, we attempted something last week as a Labor Day show. That, yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so it we were great. thinking about doing like, we're thinking about maybe like get to know members of the team for right. holiday shows, sure. right? So I, again, I promise not to embarrass no, no, anybody. No, no details. I won't. You can say I won't. Happened, but no I won't. Details. But it's, we were, so Mikey was like, I got three of my friends lined up and we're going to do like a 15 minute show. So it was me, Jason, Tyvis, and, and G, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the first guest was a buddy of his. It was a total disaster. <laughs> and then the second guest was a female friend of his and. I'll just leave it there. Y'all made it really weird, and that's why we're it not going to get it It got quite awkward. Y'all made it very weird. It, it went um, off the rails quickly. In a, weird Maybe. in a good way or weird in a ba really bad way? It, oh, in a really I bad way. This, 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 <laughs> judging by the tone of his he's as red as the brick behind him He's so him right stressed. Now. I, I gave no details. No, I didn't say her name, reason, nothing. There's a reason this will <laughs> never air. It's already erased. There's no more files of it. Oh, you're kidding. It, listen, you should have just got, shown it to Jay. It got awkward. Bull went past probably the level of like where you should cross me <laughs> you're blaming a, me no i'm not blaming you there's a miscommunication on a certain question 
Uh, I would blame Jay and G more than blaming yeah, me. Jay, Jay asked a question that I think he was referring Jason, to basketball. It may have come off in a different way. It's a lost <laughs> what file. What did you do? It's a, it's a lost <laughs> file. But we got to talk about the guard. Let's your, talk about the guard. You couldn't catch. Go, go to the next. I'm subject. sorry that the fans go, will never be able to go to the next. It was I want, I want a detailed we'll explanation after this show. It was awkward. Let's talk a little Guardians. Now, yes. Guys. I just spilled yeah. coffee all over my pants. Uh, Guardians. Terrible co- weekend for I the Guardians. I spilled coffee all See, over my pants. See, was it terrible because when before the series, before the road I trip, would have signed for three and three. You said three and three is a win. I know, and but I got greedy. They, were, they had won the first two. two. Also, but yesterday was disappointing. It was bad. But, it was a bad weekend because they scored seven runs in those yeah, four games. I know. And that's they the, didn't that's, hit it whole And you know what? Weekend. That's what's going to keep this team from making a deep playoff run if they even make the playoffs. Well, and again, all season long, they've been whoop. Yeah. I mean, it's been high highs and low lows. Yeah. It's a young hopefully, team. Hopefully, you expect with young teams. Hopefully, yeah. that will not. Uh, this will not turn into a long stretch of Look, bad. Look, West play. Coast road trips are always the hardest. I knew, even though we this knew was that. only six games, we knew that. I, I'm saying, take our. It's a tough home stand here too, though. Home. It's a tough Baltimore, home stand. Got Baltimore and Seattle, and well, here's what's good about this. Yeah. Baltimore right now is ahead of – you see the Guardians leading the division, but there's a two-game lead, and they've got five with Minnesota yeah. in a row in September. I, I think I like the fact that it's Baltimore and Seattle because I think they're a game behind Baltimore for in the wild-card race, and they're a game and a half, I believe, behind uh, the Mariners. Yeah. So these are teams that you want to play. Well, if they win the division, they could very well end up playing the Mariners or the right, Orioles but, in the first but, round. But I'm also looking at the wild card division, ju- at the wild yeah. card race, yeah. just yes. in case. Just in case. Right, but I'm saying there's the two division. things. There's also, hey, you may play this team in the playoffs. Yes, you're right. In you're the first round. Right. Yeah, you're right. So at, listen, the Mariners are a pretty good team. They're, they're on the West really Coast, so we don't no, pay I attention. Think, I think they're underrated. They've got good pitching. They're like, like the Robbie Ray addition was big. Big, huge. You know, the Luis Castillo in season acquisition was big. With Logan Gilbert's become a nice pitcher. They're built like the Guardians. Sound starting pitching and a terrific bullpen. Did I see that Rodriguez got paid too? Yeah. He got a yeah. huge extension. It's a crazy I couldn't contract. believe they did that already. Well, it goes back to the discussion we were having, guys. You were you here. when you got to lock these guys up now. Well, you're you're not going to spend younger, younger and younger. 12 years? Younger, yeah. yeah. Well, this I don't is, think it's – it's not guaranteed 12 years. It's, it's, it's really complicated. Some of the stuff I was reading, it depends on some of the MVP voting – and option pickups of what becomes but if, what? Right. If, if they, this could end up being over $400 million, but it, will it only, could be like 18 it, years. It would only get that insane. high if he was great. Right, right. If he was great. Well, let's, well that's more this of a the way for the performance, future. and that's yeah. the way contracts should be structured. Yeah, to some These degree. These well, 10 he's guaranteed guys, million He's regardless. guaranteed a certain yeah, amount. but and, and I'm okay for that. He, he should be. But I love the idea of – in particularly in the later years of the contract, like if you look at what's going on in Detroit, as much as I dislike the Tigers, I've felt sorry for them for the last six or seven years, and it's only going to get worse next year if Miggy does indeed come back. Yeah, he's hamstrung them to the point where they're well, not even a major league baseball. I team. mean, they're so bad anyway. I don't know if that one contract alone kills well, them, but it's a big number that they yeah. could spend on other talent, yeah. and then they misspent this off season, right? And it cost well, their they spent general on manager Baez, and he was terrible this year. But he hasn't back, worked out. But Jay, getting back to the Guardians, here's one real positive from what was overall a bad weekend. Quantrill pitched really well. He did, and. Yeah. I think he's clearly become their third best starter. Oh, yeah. And if you look at him over the last couple of months, oddly enough, he's pitched – his bad starts have all been against bad teams for whatever reason. Hmm. Maybe his last, it, his last – in three of his last five starts, he's pitched shutouts. Not nine inning shutouts, but right. whatever. 20 scoreless innings. I can't remember the three teams exactly, but it's three playoff teams. And he's had two bad starts against, like, the Tigers and some other lousy yeah, teams. Yeah, I wonder if it's focused. Very weird, but – 
I, right now, my top three I feel good about. I think, you know, Police Sack will be your fourth guy. I like using a fourth starter. I don't like the idea with all Bieber injuries. If they, I know they still got to make it, but if they make it, with Bieber's injury history, recent injury history, I don't like him going on short days rest. I certainly, with, with McKenzie's body size, I don't want him going on three days rest. Yeah. So I think you're going to have to use a fourth starter if he gets to it. I think it's going to have to be Police Sack because Somali stinks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that to me, that was the positive. I feel like Quantrill... Well, I, he's not obviously with Bieber and McKenzie, but I will, I, I, can, I trust him a little bit, at least. I'm still, I think a for me, bit. the concern, the big concern is still the bats. Um, oh, sure. I know, that, I know they've, the had, they've had guys that have really um, increased their production. Yeah. But you've got to have more from catcher and center field. Yeah, Miles Straw stinks. Miles Straw, I, I got to tell you, oh, my Miles God. Straw, is, he started horribly. Then yeah. he had a stretch where he's like, like okay, three weeks. here he yeah. comes. Now, Guys, he looks completely lost yeah. at home plate right now. I don't get why they play him all. Like, at least a catcher, I get it. Okay? Yeah. A catcher, well, also, he manages the pitchers, I get it. Yeah. At center field, like, I know he's a good fielder, but everybody that plays center field is a, a good fielder. He's a great fielder. He's a right. great fielder. Above but average like, fielder. Fine. But, like, there's plenty of above average fielders in, at center field. Yeah. You know, I mean. You got to hit more than And unlike 200. catcher, there's plenty of center fielders that can hit. Yeah, I, it's it's a big, big. Steven Steven Kwan could win a Gold Glove in left field this year. He's like, why great. not? Why did Although they set he, the ball yesterday? Did he lose that in the sun? I didn't I see it. They, yeah, I, I didn't don't see it yesterday. So go go to the go to the positives. I know that, that we're off the West Coast trip. The positives are still two games up. Yeah, nowhere near did we ever think that the Guardians. No, would no, but you know what? Right. Like the Bulls' point when they were four up. I thought, wow, they could come home six up. This is a team yeah. where I, 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 w- I wouldn't say they were getting six up. Here's a team that's played up and down. Yeah, and down all you just keep this, those bad streaks short. This, this is how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. So and if this is their bad streak, we're, we're playing, we can live with we're that. We're playing in short tranches here. Yeah. The next series here, Baltimore. Let's go get this right. You can't look down the line. It's not that kind of team. No, you. It's can't. not built like that. Seven days to me will determine this division. September fifteenth to the twenty second. That's when they play the Twins for five. They got the Twins for five, and they got and the, the White, White Sox, Sox in, there in there too. too yeah. That week is really so you have to be in the hunt way. here till then, right? Yeah. Oh, they, they, well, they'll be in the hunt. I mean, they're, they're well, gonna, no, no, here we're up two here. You uh, that two three level? You can stay at that level here. Yeah. You get us to September fifteenth. Now we got a ball game. Yeah. But you're right. That is the week that it will matter. That will define who wins the division. Yeah. They got, you know, I would like to see the Guardians go to the minor leagues. You know, the, the rosters expand to 28. It does. Uh, you got Naylor down in the catcher. You got this kid Brennan, who's just been killing it in AAA. Let's I would like to see guy. them get some at bats. Bring him up, or bring. I don't know why they sent Nolan Jones down. I know he cooled well, off. He's really cooled off. I know they, that. They but play Nolan at first base. Well, because Oscar, gonna... Oscar Gonzalez has played so well in right field. Yeah, but let's play one of them in left, move Quan to center, and get, get Straw well, out of the that's lineup. Why I I w- I'd be Quan. all for that. That's why yeah. I mentioned Quan. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that this year. They've already paid Miles. Like, yeah, they're, they're on the hook for him now. So yeah, I but, don't you, know. that, but you don't start him just because you paid him. I mean, he's on the team, fine. And, I don't know, and when you're Jay, the Guardians, from the day they've acquired Miles Straw, Tito's talked about what an elite center field. Oh, my he is. God. He's, I, and, you and have two zeros you, in your lineup every game. That. I know. And, and why, by the way, why is Jimenez batting seventh in that game yesterday? Yeah, I didn't know that either. I didn't. Why is he I, batting so low in the lineup? I, I don't understand. I like him much higher. I don't know what he's doing down there either, uh, unless you're trying to add some punch to the bottom right. of the lineup, which we've seen teams do I, before. I, but, I don't take my – listen, he's been their second-best player, yes? Behind Ramirez? I think unquestionably. Yes. Yes. So yes. how am I betting my, sec- betting my second-best player seven? I don't like it either. I, I don't understand, understand that. I, would, I don't know if Tito was asked about and it after the game. he's been hitting them low like six a lot. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, I know some managers like to have some punch in the bottom of the lineup. When you're offensively challenged like the Guardians are, 
if you get through their first four or five, now all of a sudden the pitcher's in cruise control for an inning and a half. Right, right. Yeah. You know, so if you do stick a bat down there at six or seven, my problem with that is he has limited opportunities to drive in runs, right. typically. And, okay, so he does get a hit. Who's, who behind him is going to knock him in? Right. And who, when they get down, when they get past seven, and, there's and, nothing happening. And in that think lineup. about it from this perspective: if you hit him second or third or whatever, and hit Ramirez fourth or, you know, like how many at bats are you costing him? How many plate appearances? Over, he's over being costing? a game, if you're probably instead of the front half to the bottom half. Yeah. Plate and a half a game. Yeah. You're looking, yeah, you're looking yeah. at you know, On average, probably 200 yeah. at bats for the year. I mean, it, it adds up. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't understand that. That's if you got a contract, you got incentives in it. Has so. And Straw's contract isn't that big. It's not like he's making no, it's a ton not of money. For the Guardians, it's huge. It's, it's is not it? that big. He's probably, he's probably the, the I think he's around second, $5 million. Second or third highest paid player on the team. I think he's around $5 million, $4 or $5 million a year. And, and maybe this is a, an issue for next year if Quan can slide into center. But I don't know if you want to mess with the gold glover at left if he's really – I mean, he could win it. He's, he's been terrific. Yeah, he has been very, very good. Very good. And, you know, it is a different position, you know. But I, I think he – I think he could handle it from what I I've think seen. he could handle it, but he's not going to be the elite level. That right. Probably straw is. making three million. Uh, he's making not making much this year. Three million next and five then six and a half and seven and a half. Oh, yeah. God. And for the Guardians, it's a lot of money. And then there's two options after that, which obviously at this point, you yeah, can no, deal with the Kiss those goodbye. Yeah, uh, you got to hit more than 200 oh, at the big league God. level. You just especially if you're a center fielder, even a catcher. But but can, in the grand scheme of things, yes, even though a bad weekend, still a lot more good than bad when right. it comes to the Guardians. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. they got out of it with a split. You come home from a West yeah. Coast road trip, even if you're in a pennant race and you split, I think you take that. And I think the Orioles are coming back to earth, and their pitching is not very good, so hopefully yeah, they can hopefully take it. Hopefully they there. get fat yeah. on the Orioles. Uh, you want to do good, bad, bad, bet? It is time to do good, bad, bad, All bet. Right. And we had a big moving day on Friday. Ooh. Adam the Bull, 3-0. and oh, That's about it. I've just not only it. did Bull go 3-0, and and let's take the standings I on took it on the chin yep. Friday. Jay went 1-2, and two, Brad went 1-2, yeah. and two, Tyvis went 0-3. Oh so Tyvis loses his percentage lead, and Bull takes a commanding lead. Wow, two percentage points better now. Eight with just a couple. With eight games though. left, I'm only eight games left. Myself back to five. Eight How days did, left. You watch he's coming up on the rear. Here. Yeah, but there's 24 picks in there. So you 24 know, picks left. That's I it. go I go 17 and seven, and you go seven and 17, and I'm right in there. There you go. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get. To, wait, can, can you go back to that graphic real quick? Yo, punch it up. Let's pull the standings back up. I wanted to see where Polk was because he's is he still? He's hitting? at 65 percent, so he's back in the percentage. Okay. Oh, that's a great cat picture of him. Look at that picture. So, hey, listen, no, Jay, you know what? It is Mike's fault, apparently. We addressed it on the show last week. Yes. I have texted Polk twice now for the cat picture. He has not sent us the cat picture. We have the cat picture. The email got flushed after the first month. Oh, it So, we need Polk to resend us the picture, and we will put it in. You know what? We have it. uh, I think we have it on our website at KYC at some point. His response last week when I called him out for it on air, he goes, yeah, frankly, I saw your text and said, it's not that important. So wow, I know it hurt. Wow, it hurt. Bo was there, Jay was there. They all hurt. That does sting, man. It hurt. So when we get the cat picture, we will put it in there. But it's on Polk's plate right now. All right, very good. All right, here we go. All right, first game today. No guardians. I hated these picks today too. By the way, it took me four seconds to make them. Yeah, Uh, first one. Red Sox getting a run and a half at the Twins. Yeah. And you guys all kind of split. We had two goods and a bad. Brad was bad. Bull Bull and G were good. Uh, Bull and Jay were good. We don't have a graphic. We got no graphic? We have a graphic for the next two. Okay. Oh. Let's, <laughs> so let's take the next one. All right. How about this? Dodgers, first time all year I've seen. Two and a half. Reasons. Two and a half they were getting at the mark. I haven't seen a two and a half run yeah, line all season. Yeah, you almost season. never see that spread. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm never laying two and a half runs in baseball. That's a lot. Ever. 
but I knew you weren't going to. Yeah. I knew you weren't going so to. So you took the Dodgers. So I, I, I have to make up ground. So I took he the did. Dodgers. You guys did split. We had uh, G, I mean, Jay and Brad were good. Bo was bad there. Yeah. And finally, our last Yeah, one. by the way, the, the guy pitcher for the Dodgers, I usually ignore pitcher wins because it's such an arbitrary stat. It's really right. meaningless. But it's Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers is like 16 and 1. Yeah, I'm not Which is absurd. That. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of those might be vulture wins. Yeah, but he's pitched great. But 16 and 1, I'm taking that. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. He also leads the NL in ERA and another stat. So it was crazy. Yeah, he's, he's had a magnificent year for someone yeah. who I've never heard of. And thus the two and a half run line. And yeah. the heard of him. And the last game. Over eight and a half runs in the Yankees-Angels game. Why would you put the Yankee logo on there and not the Angel logo? That's obnoxious. Talk to Anthony. Tap Anthony, this ain't New York. I mean, what the hell? Well, where's our picks, though? Like, the, the graphic so, that shows listen, our picks. The issue with the picks is when it's not the normal panel, It takes it, it's the templates are not as easy to move around. Oh, I got it. All and right. JC doesn't pick, and G didn't send in picks today, so to swap it. We only got three picks today. So. Guys are slackers. So, so Anthony was basically like, you know what? Throw a Yankees logo in. on there. You nailed it, it in. <laughs> so I wait. got you. I got you. I got you, eh? I thought this was going to the end of the year. Are you guys finishing this? No. So we're finishing it Wednesday. We're going to start with football season. We're going to start oh. clean, clean the slate. Right. Okay. This All has right. been our preseason. Four months long. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah, that's, right. that's enough. I've dominated, and we'll we'll move it along. I don't know if you're dominating. Two percentage points ahead of you. Hey, real quick. You have been really good, though. Some Browns cuts are coming in. Oh, boy. Nothing of no, no, no name surprises. that would make you go wow. Wims and you Marcus should name Bradley take ten guys. Oh, see if we know they're a real player or not. Who got cut? Tell me. Not Anthony Schwartz. Receivers okay. cut. Uh, Wims and Jamarcus Bradley. Oh. Defensive tackle. Glenn I kind of like Wims. Wims did okay. I kind of like today. Ben yeah. Petrula, uh, Curtis Weaver, Javante Moffitt, and Chris Odom to IR. Okay, so. now that gets us to. Do we know? I don't know. Yeah, that take, it's ten guys. So they're down to seven. One, two, three, four, five. That was seven names there. Okay, yeah. so it's down to seventy-three. They they're down to seventy-three. They need to get to yeah. fifty-three. Because they, yeah, they so got the eighty before the game. Five for the round, practice roster. Or did that expand this year? Tomorrow? The practice squad is twelve, but you got to cut guys first and then try to bring them back. back to yeah, the so they're available to everybody once yes. you cut them. Yeah, it's fifty-three tomorrow, correct? By uh, yeah, to, to, two p.m. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna make some predictions tomorrow. Don't worry. Yeah, that's a that's a. So there's going to be some names there's there be, on there there's always some that names make us that, go, wow. Yeah. Wims played okay. Also. I liked Wims. Yes. I knew he wasn't going to make the team, but I, I, I did like him. You know, I, 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 I'm nervous about the wide receivers way more than anybody Is else. there, I, I mean. Oh, we got the cat pictures. Oh, we did? Is it, am It'll I, be added tomorrow. The cat awesome. will be added tomorrow. Okay, great. Am I crazy to think David Njoku could be the leading receiver on this team? No, no, not at all. At least through week 12. After seeing what Brissett wants, we, we know he likes those quick I, little... I, I, I'm really thinking more and more of David Njoku could I be the I still think it'll be Cooper, but it's not. I guess it's not crazy. Um, I think David Bell will be the second leading receiver behind Amari Cooper. I think David will be second yeah, among you, the receivers. You'd expect that in the case. Yeah. yeah, but I'm, I'm, I think Njoku's Njoku going to get a be the, lot of work. Kareem Hunt could be the leading receiver if they use him right. He might be. He might be. Let's get to top five real quick because yeah. it leads us to a special promo we got to get to next week. Today's top yeah. five are the five college football games we're looking most forward to this weekend. I know number one. We Ugh. had week zero. It is now officially time for week one. We got a pretty good slate of week one matchups, including number five here. Two teams with big brand names haven't oh, been great man. lately, but Brian Kelly knew at LSU. Mm. Yep. Florida State at LSU, two, two primetime power five That's teams. That's a good one. Florida State, Florida State still got a football team. They yeah, won this week. Oh, they crushed oh, Duquesne. Oh, okay. Wow. I mean, you know what did happened. You guys, did you guys see the picture of the Duquesne player on the bench? It was trending on, on social. He had his <laughs> pants pulled up to his nipples. 
I don't know. I, I don't know. Come I've never Jay. seen anything Come like it. Jay. I'll see if I can find it again. Like, on Anthony's purpose? on it. Well, if we get it, we'll tag board it. We'll yeah, it was the, sl the, the slug on it was what in the world is going on at Duquesne <laughs> football? It is the most bizarre football picture you'll ever see. Did you hear the story about the, like the, um, what's his name? Scott Frost and Nebraska talking oh, yeah. about how he was, they were pumped because made, they made their offensive linemen throw up the whole training camp. No. It was yeah, ridiculous. It was, it was like, weird. That's not Very good weird. to make Scott guys Frost throw up. Is, Scott Frost and, is not And the weird. Northwestern he, he, offensive line coach after Northwestern beat um, Nebraska yesterday in or Saturday in, yeah, in yeah, Ireland, 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 which was really cool. Yeah, it made me nice. want to go to Ireland. It was nice. But uh, the Northwestern offensive line coach was <laughs> oh, like, what in the world? I know. I'm going to send this. Shots DM at him. it to Anthony. DM it to Anthony. <laughs> Let me see it. We'll put it on screen. I want you to see it on camera. Bet? I just sent it to you because I don't have All his right. Instagram. It was sent to me on Instagram. I'm on it. Give us one second. Right. It's it. <laughs> really funny. It's like an 80-year-old man <laughs> walking through All right, so here. Aldi's. Uh, Scott Frost will not, will not be at Nebraska. He's long. a clown. No, uh, he's so not long Nebraska, for this world. I'm going to give you a word of advice here. You need – it's a shame what's happening to Nebraska football. It really is because really they were a powerhouse. So you need – Go get my man Urban Meyer. Give him a job, right? Let him rebuild this thing. You know what? It, 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 I don't it, know that they'll ever be what they, they were. They won't. Because <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but a chief among them, it's in Nebraska. Well, that's why you need somebody that can extend boundaries here. Oh, they've been going back getting people that used to be in Nebraska. This is not going to work. You anymore. want them to hire Urban Meyer? Well, huh? yeah, I don't. I don't want to see Nebraska football look like that. It's awful. No, I know. We need it's them to be awful. better than that. Ohio State's become the anomaly. What other cold weather schools are powers in You're college right. football? I mean, anymore? Michigan and Notre Dame. And Michigan. I, a few years ago, I thought Michigan was. We thought they were done. Nebraska. We did. We thought they were done. And Notre Dame. I mean, what happened to Ohio State? They're always overrated. Ohio State. Absolutely. Always. Ohio every State year. went and got somebody. Had been in another region, and we start bringing in players from other regions. So Ohio State used to get all Ohio people. That's yeah. all we used to do. Yeah. Now we you got to recruit Florida and guys, Texas, particular yeah. skill. Texas, California. California. Oh my video, God! The I, what oh. the hell am I looking at? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I, I've never seen anything. That guy like can't it. be really a player, is he? <laughs> you know, I thought it was first. I thought it was computer generated. I thought there's no way that's real. What is? But going that on really there? happened. That dude's pants are jacked up to his Man. armpits. By the way, speaking of Ohio State, <laughs> Mikey McNuggets, we have a special edition of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports hey, Show we're gonna this get Friday. To the, we got to finish the top five first. Oh, well, sorry. Come on, don't ruin the surprise. I'm trying to promo you really there. Surprised. Go ahead. Number right, four. Well, let's get finished the top five. We got off track here. <laughs> Rapid fire. Let's go. Rapid fire. Let's go to number four here. Control the How set, about a ranked Mikey. matchup between Cincinnati and Arkansas? Don't care. Stop. Keep going. Don't care. Well, before you dismiss it completely, yeah. I'm curious to see what Cincinnati does turning the page. But is Arkansas? Luke, yeah, Fickle, Luke Fickle's done a great job with the yeah, program. And what Arkansas. does he have now that they're well, Arkansas is going to be good this year. Arkansas is also uh, really arrow. Arkansas think Arkansas you know who Luke Fickle's getting? Luke Fickle's getting all the guys Ohio State used to get That's before right. they became a national power. Yep. All the, the by the way, Jason's taking the family on vacation to Arkansas next year. And we were driving through. <laughs> we were driving number through three. Alabama. Number three. We were going on vacation <laughs> in Alabama. Go to number three, Mikey. We were number literally three. driving through the Tuscaloosa. Backyard brawl, always a fun matchup. Yeah, that is. Now West that's Virginia nice. Is that Thursday? It's Thursday. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Desmond Howard picked Pitt to make the college. Yeah, Desmond Howard also picked Michigan to make it to the finals and this year. And A&M to win the whole thing. I love absurd. Desmond. I really do. But absurd. Desmond, just, just, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Because I, I mean, is he? I don't know what that pick was about. He's a little wackadoodle. I don't know. Yeah. Cleveland I've got two too. more. I hate to see and it. we know what number one is. But this yeah. and any other year would be the best game of any week. Oh, yeah. Great season. game. Take it. 
Georgia, Oregon. That's a really good game. Yeah, number three versus one. number 11. And we'll cut right to number bad. one. We, well, we Georgia's a big is. favorite. Notre Dame <clears throat> at Ohio State. Uh, yeah. Top five matchup. Is it, the Buckeyes are like a 17-point favorite. No, 17 it shows, yeah. And, and Notre Dame's number five in the country. Which They're is always a joke. overrated. That's a joke. They're always overranked yes. at the beginning of the season. They are. But it shows you that, like, beyond, like, you got Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, and everybody else is a drop-off. Yeah. Because I, Ohio State and, and Georgia are playing highly ranked teams, and they're both huge favorites. Georgia's a big favorite over Oregon, too. They are. Yeah. And that brings us to what Bo was alluding to earlier. Let's take yeah. it full, uh, Mike. We have a full Buckeye-Notre Dame preview show on Friday with four elite guests. Well, three and a half. Oh, really, a Buckeye season preview, right? It's a season preview, but really focusing yeah. on the game. We're going to do a oh. post-game show as well. we got Maurice Claret. Robert Smith. Why is Thomas Eddie George Powell. not on that list? We need Eddie George on that show. If you can figure out how to get Eddie George, we're in. But All right. We're, we're pretty stacked with Here that, uh, that Paul list. Keels, Paul Keels, the voice of the Buckeyes. The voice of the Buckeyes. Paul our show on Friday, just so everyone knows, our show on Friday will be dedicated to 99.9% Buckeyes. It's a perfect it. time to do it with rounds. no NFL games. Exactly. So we're going to test it out. We're going to do it. Hopefully you guys enjoy it, and it's going to be a blast. But those four guests, how can it be bad, though, honestly? No, that's four. a that's – How a, can you go wrong with the Buckeyes? You just Yeah, can't. no, you can't. No, you no. can't. Mm-mm. I expect big numbers from Franklin County that, for that show. <laughs> big numbers. Columbus. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, final takes. Final takes. All right, guys. Uh, I texted Mikey and Anthony when this happened. Thank goodness you're okay, by the way. My life flashed before my eyes Saturday as I almost, I literally came very close to dying, I think. And I'm not joking. Usually this, I'm setting this up for a joke, but this is not a joke. Uh, here, I got to speak to whoever the moron is that was driving that Penske truck that cut in front of me and made a crazy U-turn. So I went out early to Sounds get like me, but to get bagels in downtown Cleveland. <laughs> I'm driving back from Cleveland to Rocky River. I decided to go through the shoreway and take uh, Lake Road through Lakewood and maybe get some cold cuts along the way. <laughs> so I'm driving up Lake Road. The speed limit's 35. I'm going a little over the speed limit, but not significantly. I think I was cruise controlling it at 40. All of a sudden... Half a block away, this guy driving a Penske truck makes a left turn in front of me. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't got to worry about it. He's going to keep going. We'll be fine. Then he makes a U-turn and stops blocking the whole road. I had to grab the wheels hard to the left and drive down the street. And I was lucky there were no cars coming. You almost killed me, you idiot. You know who you are. because You're probably a sports fan. You should be ashamed of yourself. Send me money. That's it. Hmm. Oh, man. When you said cold cuts, you know what it reminds me of? I love cold cuts. The running back from uh, Cincinnati did the commercial with the cold cuts. Uh, the, Icky Woods. Icky Woods. The Icky Shuffle. Shuffle. Gotta get some cold cuts. Gotta get some cold Got, cuts. Gotta get some cold cuts today. <laughs> Icky. He's good. All right. So, here, let me just jump in here, my man, Bull, because I'm glad my man was, was taking out. He's okay. Let's go to this. Okay. Everybody just stop panicking. Saturday. Leading up to the game time, all you heard on the radio was, oh, oh, Jacoby Brissett, is, oh, we don't know what we're going to get here. Uh, relax. Everybody calm down here. Relax. He wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad, right? Let's see what we have here coming up here. The Browns faithful, just believe in this. I don't care about what your 1-8-22 record was. That means nothing to me. We need to get off to a great start. Carolina's where it's going to happen at. 
if we're going to turn the tides, watch the other years behind you. Just focus in on 60 minutes of football in Carolina. And I'm so tired. Let me tell you what I'm tired of. I'm tired of hearing about how Baker Mayfield has the chip on his shoulder. I'm tired of that. And everybody on the Browns 53 roster should be tired of it too. We come to see you. You're going to get a trip. We're going to get a chance to show you exactly what we think here. Because it's not about Baker Mayfield. It's not about anything else. It's about the Browns and their season. And if you want to get off to a great season, you get off to a great start. So everybody in that locker room, from Stefanski to the general manager, to the owner, to the players, focus in on 60 minutes of football in Carolina because that's where the season begins. Jason. Uh, baseball announced today that uh, minor leagues are, are going to try and unionize, and it couldn't be coming at a better time. I don't think people realize uh, we, when you think of playing professional baseball and you think of the lavish salaries that these guys make, that does not apply to minor leaguers. These guys aren't even earning a living wage. These are some numbers from just a couple of years ago. Uh, AAA players in their first year were making $21.50 a month. AA guys were making $1,700 a month. High A, Class A guys around $1,100 to $1,500 a month. Listen, we're, we're not, I'm not asking for these guys to make the type of money that you make in Major League Baseball, but at least give them a living wage. And then you talk about the expenses that come out on top of it. It's a real issue. Um, it needs to be addressed. Obviously, you know, part of the benefit of minor league baseball is how f affordable it is for families. I live in Lorain County. We can take our kids to see the Lake Erie Crushers for, you know, pennies compared to what it takes to, to go to a Guardians game. And the trickle-down effect is the players don't make – you know that much money and and that's a, a independent game that i'm not even talking about affiliated ball but there has to be some sort of uh, agreement here where these guys can at least make a living wage to the point where they can support themselves during the regular season i just want to bring light to it today there was it was a good sign to see them start the process of trying to unionize and hopefully that will mean better working conditions uh, for some of these minor leaguers who probably don't have major league careers ahead of them, and they're just trying to hold on and play this game for a few more years. Couldn't agree more. Most of them make below minimum wage. Yeah, it's awful. If you crank below out, minimum wage. If right. you crank out the hours and, that they're putting yeah, in. It's unreal. I, right, real quick, raising their salaries should not raise the prices because the teams, the individual teams don't pay those players. It's the major league organization. You're right. So all I, I, with, the, with the exception of the independent. Right. So yes, I'll, sure. So all, sure. I, all I'll say to the affiliated teams, where is the major league players union at? They don't care. They're getting, that, no, they're, that, that is, they, they they're putting this together. Now. That, yeah, they yes, haven't cared until that, now. They're that doing the this. problem. Yeah, they want yes, they're doing it at the expense the of all yeah. my Right, leaders. that is the problem. And they, the same road they used to travel. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, without the minor leagues, none of those guys uh, have a chance to get there either. All right, let's talk about um, something that's off most sports fans' radar, but it shouldn't be. Um, we talk about football and baseball and basketball, but there's something happening tonight in New York that sports fans, if you call yourself a sports fan, you should pay attention to it. Serena Williams at the age of 40, yeah. 40, 41, is going to begin her last professional tournament as a singles player. I think there's very little doubt that she'll continue with her sister Venus and play doubles matches in tournaments. But for now, um, this marks the end of perhaps one of the most dominant runs by a professional athlete in any sport. Notice I didn't say female. Notice I didn't say tennis. If you look at what Serena Williams has done over the body of her career and for the length of time for which she's done it, you can make a strong case that she has been 
one of the most dominant athletes in their sport ever. It's incredible what she's done. She's won 23 major championships, which is the most in the open era. It's just one behind, I think, Margaret Court, who won 24, but that was a much different era, much different time, much different competition. Uh, Serena takes center court tonight at 7 o'clock. Right. You don't know when it's going to be her last match because if she, if she were to be upset, this would be it. So do yourself a favor. Peek in on it. Um, it's the end of a terrific career. We wish her all the best. And I wouldn't put past Serena Williams winning the Open Championship. She loves playing there. I believe she's won it five or six times. And what a, what a way to write your final chapter if she could somehow pull that off. So, Serena, go get them. And if you're a sports fan, do yourself a cha- favor. I think it starts at 7 o'clock. Just tune in just for a little bit. You never know when that magic is going to be gone. Great call, Jeff. Good luck to her. Hope she great wins. Call. Yeah, I do too. I'm pulling four, man. Yeah. What a great sports story that would be. Yeah. I could see the, uh, the SB uh, career lifetime achievement yeah. speech right now. She's just done incredible things for her sport. Mm. Power. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> She's just a, a total power game. All right, uh, Nuggets, what do we got tomorrow? We got a Didi tomorrow. Okay. And I do have one little programming note. You okay. mentioned Jay Feely earlier on the show. Yes, Jay Feely. Well, we booked him in the last 20 minutes. He's yeah. coming on next Tuesday. I, I texted we'll him, and he's like, York. I yeah. said, can you come on in the next two weeks? He's like, of course. So, so he's in next Tuesday. Yeah, and I'm glad that he's um, he's doing the he, – he'll, he'll be the special teams correspondent for the Browns-Panthers game. So we'll be, we'll get to talk to him about Cade York, mm-hmm. and hopefully he and Aditi can be be on together. That's my hope. We'll try to cross them over. Yeah, we'll or or near one because they'll be we'll on the, the CBS yeah, broadcast we'll team. Yeah. for the for the uh, opening game. Jay's very knowledgeable on not just kicking but all sports. There was a period of time when he was one of the chief fill-in guys on first take whenever Skip or right. Stephen A or Woody would be out. Jay would come in, and he always held his own. He knows all hmm. sports, but he'll do he'll do a great job for us. All right, uh, we're on a 22-hour break. We're back tomorrow as we continue to get ready for the uh, the regular season in the NFL. And also, as McNugget said, on, on Friday of this week, we're going to change it up a little bit and just do all Ohio State preview, a big line of guests. We hope you join us then. But in the meantime, we'll see you tomorrow on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Thanks for watching. Have a great day.